and welcome everyone to the second POV Crypto Podcast. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy. Hey guys, it's Christian uh, in San Francisco right now. Uh, it is uh, Thursday night and excited to be chatting crypto with, uh, with David. Yeah, and let's definitely talk about crypto because I don't really want to talk about the prices right now. We're in a we're in a pretty bad day of a very long bear market, so that's not really too much to say about that, unfortunately. David, where where are the biggest hurts for you right now? What's hurting the most? Oh gosh, Omisego has killed me lately. Uh, I love the project. I it, it makes me very happy that it's being built. Uh, the price has not reflected that, unfortunately. Um, I think we're down, we're down like 50% in the past, like two months. Yep. Down 12% today. So sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Um, it's not live yet. So price doesn't matter. That's a good way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, what have you, what are your thoughts on Augur so far? Are you happy with it? Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I'm, I kind of, it's interesting cause I, I'm following the Bitcoin stats and following the Augur stats specifically with the Bitcoin lightning network and watching money flow into the Bitcoin Lightning Network as I also uh, see money flow into the Augur platform. So it's kind of interesting to see two projects kind of uh, depend on the total volume that is held on the the platform. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. There's a little over a million and a half uh, dollars worth of Ether um, in markets on the Augur platform, which is uh, been a pretty uh, solid uptrend of, of increased volume um, and it's becoming easier and easier to use. It's not hasn't been even released for a month yet and they've also already had um, 10 updates of the app uh, to just you know fix bugs and quality of life issues. So the the team is is very actively improving the product uh, pretty rapidly. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, but uh, let's just go let's go back to wait so what is the how much how much money is in channels on the lightning network is it a million or a hundred thousand i think it's just shy of a million at the moment wow that's crazy i think it's i think it's like it and it passed a million it it used to be 135 uh btc and somebody pulled out a big chunk and then it went down to like 70 btc but now it's up to like 90 something so yeah you know, if you have had less like 40 than, btc inside a wallet yeah. It was like crazy. It was like, who, what is this guy doing? So I'm not too familiar with Lightning Network. So does that mean that if I have less than 90 BTC, then I can send all of my BTC somewhere? Uh, it depends on who you're trying to get to. Okay. But um, if it was just like from you to that guy who had 90 BTC to the guy that you're trying to get to, then yeah, theoretically you could send them 90 BTC. Cool. Interesting. But, yeah. Very, very excited for, for Lightning Network's future. Um, so Christian and I, we started this uh, this podcast under the premise that him and I would constantly go kind of like toe-to-toe with uh, the blockchain everything versus Bitcoin maximalism debate. And both of both Christian and I have uh, our de- ideas have, you know, grown in the last few months as we've gotten more and more into this space and, uh collected more and more information and specifically with me in the last uh, few weeks as I've gotten familiar with this one particular project I've uh, started to integrate some Bitcoin maximalism uh, ideas into into where I think the cryptocurrency uh, project is going as well as my portfolio I've actually started to add Bitcoin to my portfolio something something that I wasn't used to doing I was mainly focused on the ethereum ecosystem and that project is cosmos um, 
Christian, what do you what do you uh, know about Cosmos? Um, I know a medium amount about it. It seems like it's a interoperability type of a consensus mechanism for other blockchains. But outside of that, I don't know much. Um, and I'm like slightly, I'm slightly skeptical still of the idea of many prevalent blockchains that need to be interoperable. But um, I'm open to hearing more. So Cosmos, I think, could be one of the next coolest uh, projects after Ethereum. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I believe in the uh, token of Cosmos, but I do believe in the project that is Cosmos. So it's not like financial advice. Like I'm not saying the Cosmos token will go out and be super valuable, but I do think that the Cosmos platform will provide some pretty unique stuff. Um, so what Cosmos is, is it's designed to be a hub uh, for blockchains to plug into. And so they describe it as a consensus engine. And so you can have this uh, central uh, uh, hub that is good at talking to other blockchains. And they call it um, the uh, ICB, the Inter-Blockchain um, uh, Protocol. And what that does is that allows uh, different blockchains to plug into the Cosmos hub and they can interoperate with each other. And so the Cosmos hub will allow Bitcoin to plug into it and then the Cosmos hub will know exactly how many Bitcoins there are and where they all are. And then you can also plug Ethereum into it and you can send Bitcoin over to the Ethereum network and the, it'll be validated by the Cosmos hub using the Cosmos token. And then you'll be able to produce a Bitcoin token on the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, so why I actually thought that was pretty bullish for the Bitcoin maximalist case is because all of these uh, dApps and smart contracts that, that need money to run on, which will be many, many in the future, these uh, smart contracts and dApps and, and platforms will be able to take Bitcoin as the currency for the smart contract, uh, allowing Bitcoin to be money in other places. Um, so that kind of competes with the Ethereum store of value scenario because why do you need Ether to be the store of value if you can have Bitcoin on Ethereum or any other smart contract platform? It could Every other smart contract platform could accept Bitcoin as a token. So I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're trying to say and I I agree to some degree, but at the same time it's like, why do you think that there's going to be so many things built not without like not native Bitcoin or without native common money acceptance? You know, like I'm, I still don't really think that the smart contract moat is something that is actually like a realistic thing. Um, does that make so sense? you're saying that like uh, why don't all the smart contracts and dApps I was referring to why don't why don't they just happen on Bitcoin instead? Like I mean I guess you know I understand what you're saying with Cosmos like bringing the interoperability and bringing like Bitcoin as digital gold to all the platforms, but like I'm still skeptical that there's going to be many platforms. Well, what Cosmos does is it. it allows Bitcoin to do things that it can't currently do. So unless you're saying that um, Bitcoin will be able to do all those things without any other platform, then it would need Cosmos to be able to uh, interoperate with other platforms. Gotcha. Now, I mean, I guess what I'm like, the, 
the general idea is that there's not going to be a lot of other blockchain platforms out there to interrupt be- with. Because Bitcoin will be able to do everything? No, but that, I mean, this idea of like Turing complete smart contract, uh, like I question that idea. Actually, so that's something that um, uh, Cosmos has kind of built into it. It's, they call it, they have a, a platform called Tendermint. And so instead of uh, Turing complete smart contracts, you can have uh, what they call blockchain specific applications. And so you, for like Gollum, for example, the uh, the cloud computing application that's built on Ethereum is built on a, on a Turing complete smart contract system. Well, we all know the, the the pitfalls of a Turing complete smart contract with the DAO hack and the parity funds and you know any other example of a, a smart contract being compromised because of this Turing completeness. Well, with an application specific blockchain. A coder can use any particular code that they want in order to code for a application, and it doesn't have to be Turing complete. And it can just be as complicated as it needs to to uh, produce what the application needs to do. Um, and it doesn't, and it won't fall to the pitfalls of a Turing complete smart contract because it, it isn't one. Um, so it, it solves the problem of having to code in Turing complete languages, and it, it allows you to do all the same things that you could have done on Ethereum, but you could you could do it on Cosmos. So what like what does that look like with people using Tendermint as their consensus mechanism? Yeah, so you can take um, you can take the the Golem network or even the Augur network or any other platform that doesn't necessarily need Turing completeness. But you couldn't have built these things on Bitcoin because of uh, Bitcoin's uh, scripting language. It's just not conducive to building applications like these on top of it. Uh, so you, the, uh, the author of a application can take it to Cosmos Tendermint and then use the coding language that they deem is most fit to, uh, to use. And then it can, be, it can plug into the Cosmos uh, uh, hub, which, and the Cosmos is a blockchain. But they call it the hub just because it's the blockchain is is only supposed to be the hub, so it's only for consensus between other blockchains. So Augur or Golem can plug into the Cosmos hub, and direct uh, the tokens instead of going through Ethereum can go directly to the Cosmos um, application rather than going to Ethereum and then to the Cosmos application. Wait, so can you? So Cosmos is also a blockchain. Yeah, it operates as a blockchain. Um, but the blo- the Cosmos blockchain is only for providing consensus between other blockchains. So how is that blockchain secured? Staking. You stake the Atom token, and it's a pr- proof of stake blockchain. Like masternodes. Uh, no, just like... a normal normal proof of stake, kind of like Casper. It's it's got a lot of similarities to Ethereum's Casper. So you're. You think that people are going to use a proof of stake um, blockchain to regulate um, transactions between blockchains? Yes, which is kind of similar to what Omise Go does. Um, but instead of Omise Go goes just from account to account and Cosmos goes from blockchain to blockchain. Haven't a lot of other projects attempted to do like the the blockchain interoperability thing? Like, what makes Cosmos so much better? 
Yeah, a ton of a ton of projects are, are trying to do that. Like Arc is trying to do inter-blockchain communication with their smart bridges, and um, Aeon Network is has inter-blockchain communication protocols. The difference between this one and Cosmos is is a really key difference. Is that Cosmos is a central hub for them all to plug into the same hub, but with Arc and with uh, Aeon Network, you have like APIs or just small channels for one blockchain to talk to another. So Bitcoin can talk to Ethereum or Bitcoin can talk to Arc, but there's no central hub for them all to come together to the same spot. And that's why it's such a magical place for, for cool things to happen is that all the all these uh, different blockchains come to the same spot in order to operate with all the other blockchains. So if, if Arc wanted to operate with all other blockchains, it would have to one by one build code to be able to talk to every single blockchain one at a time or you can plug into cosmos and you can talk to every other blockchain that has already plugged into cosmos the other thing that's really really cool about it is that you don't need um to ask bitcoin's permission to plug into cosmos like it's not it doesn't change anything about the bitcoin code you don't need a fork or anything so like somebody just needs to bridge Bitcoin to Cosmos, and then now all things Bitcoin can become um, existing on Cosmos. So it's permissionless. Cool. I mean, if if that's how things are going to be, I'm, I'm glad that people are working on it. I don't, now, I don't I know if I agree that it's going to happen that way or don't see it that way, but... Um, I'm down. People are working on it. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I, I got so excited from Cosmos in the first place is because a lot of the people that I respect in the industry had very, very good things, very um, positive things to say both about the Cosmos project and the Cosmos team. Um, Vitalik himself said, has said a lot of positive things about it. And then Omisego is actually hard spooning. They made up this term called hard spooning and it s super confused the community as what the hell that actually meant. Um, but there's going to be the Omisego exchange on Ethereum, and then they're going to copy and paste it and put it on Cosmos, and they're just going to let the two exchanges that they've created battle it out. But it's beneficial to all the token holders because it's a, a, a copy of the tokens. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see in the not-too-distant future, whether uh, the Omisego exchange on Ethereum wins or the Omisego exchange on Tendermint Cosmos wins. So that'll be a fun thing to watch. What else are you like excited about right now? Who else is doing cool stuff in kind of this like operability space? In the interoperability space, as soon as I found out about Cosmos, I've stopped paying attention to the, all the other interoperability uh, features. Uh, when we say Go was kind of the other interoperability um, project that I really, really liked. Um, but the unfortunate thing about OMI Say Go is that if you want to trade, un until Cosmos came around, if you wanted to trade Bitcoin, you would have to trust some kind of centralized institution that they had Bitcoin in reserve, and then they would credit you one Bitcoin when you, um, they would create they would create a token that would say, okay, you can give this token to us and we'll credit you one Bitcoin. Just like Tether, you can buy a Tether and in theory, the company will credit you $1 if you submit one Tether to them. 
Well, be it wouldn't be trustless. Um, so you would just have to trust that people would uh, give you a one for one exchange. With Cosmos, this is no longer the issue. Um, but uh, Omisego and Cosmos will be able to interoperate with each other. As far as other interoperability projects after Cosmos, I don't really see any need for any of them to exist at all because Cosmos just does everything in one fellow swoop. Um, I've stopped paying attention to Arc a while ago. Um, Komodo. What do you know about Komodo? Because they do a lot of Bitcoin uh, specific projects and they do a lot of atomic swaps um, inside of their blockchain, but it doesn't seem to be getting very much hype. Do you know anything about them? Um, no, I don't know a whole lot. Hmm. I feel like it I does, know... It, it does fit the uh, whole 80-20 rule where just a few blockchains will do 80% uh, of the work. See, I'm kind of like questioning the idea that the blockchain is the tool for all the things that we make it out to be. Tell me more. I mean, I think that's like the one of the big pillars of like the Bitcoin, the pro-Bitcoin thesis, which is that blockchains are really only good for things that need censorship resistance and that it's not necessarily a good um, organizational type, uh, you know, structure um, or data sharing structure like kind of like the blockchain hype about it's gonna you know it's gonna make all of these different functions so much more um, streamlined and efficient like you know the part of it is like it's not efficient the whole point is that it's not efficient but it's redundant so that way you can have censorship resistance well there's two different ways to talk about efficiency um, so you know, Bitcoin produces three transactions uh, a second, which is super, super slow, but it can still get money from one end of the world to the other way, way faster than any sort of centralized uh, uh, institution can. Um, so it, there's a different ways to talk about efficiency. And so I, th I think if I interpreted what you said correctly, like you don't believe in like a DAO, for instance, you don't believe in some sort of decentralized collection of people all across the world creating some sort of uh, uh, crypto government where they, you know, disperse funds or stuff like that. Is that is that what you're saying? Um, no, actually, I do believe that DAOs will exist, um, but I don't think that they're going to be like governed by a blockchain. I think it's going to be a natural thing that is enabled by technology and it's not going to be like the DAO lives in its own specific blockchain world. So you think like Slack is the better place for a DAO to occur rather than some sort of smart contract system? Yeah, I mean, I think that like smart contract is a hype word. Like, I think the idea of like permissionless self-automating like self-executing agreement is great but most of that is just a multi-sig and then some sort of like script trigger i don't know like our oracle plus multi-sig you know like why do you need like this elaborate smart contract hmm well See, that's a problem with cryptocurrency nowadays is that like everybody has this vision vision for the future and so many things will be disrupted and you know they have this in this great you know crypto anarchist future ahead of us and 
the only reason why people say that is because people can connect the dots with the current technology and what it will imply for the future. But we don't actually know if how reasonable that is to believe because we haven't seen any of it. Like people keep talking about how disruptive Bitcoin is going to be to banks and Bitcoin has been almost around for like 10 years now and it hasn't even begun to disrupt banks. It's only like in people's heads that it could theoretically disrupt the banking industry. Um, so a lot of this technology is like how a smart contract will be used or um, how oracles will be used, I think is totally uncertain and up in the air. And there are very valid concerns against um, things like the oracle problem. I don't totally agree with you that smart contracts are a hype word. They are definitely hyped. Um, however, I do think there will be plenty of use cases for coding money to be set um, rules to be set in stone with money before the engagement is is uh you know agreed upon i think i think i don't think we've begun to see the actual real uh fundamental uses of smart contracts because we haven't seen adoption yet as soon as we see adoption i think we're going to see a lot of different uh uses of the technology we we have today um among other innovative techniques that that the human brain will be able to think up yeah um well i am definitely very excited that auger is live and excited with you know sitting there with popcorn just wanting to see how that works out um i think on you know again i, I don't want to like say like hey lightning network is uh is everything it's going to solve all the problems but it's interesting to see you know little games and stuff like that um appearing on lightning network having tons of transactions and not affecting the blockchain at all um, so that's something that's pretty interesting to look at too. There are games on Lightning Network. Yeah, there's like a couple of like roulette gambling games, and then there's <laughs> one that's called Satoshi Dot Place, and it's literally a one Satoshi per pixel oh, yeah, billboard. That. Um, and yeah, that's gotten yeah. a ton of you know hype. I feel like the guy who built it has at least made an entire Bitcoin. Right. Okay. So, so some of these games are pay pay rewards to the developer. Well, I mean, the Satoshi's place. It's you pay the website one Satoshi per pixel, so the developer gets it. Oh, You're literally paying him genius. to put it on. Yeah. So I mean, there's like bots on there that will like put a logo there and make sure it keeps the logo, and they just keep paying it as other people try to draw over it. Like he's getting steady <laughs> flow of Satoshi's. <laughs> oh gosh that's why it pays so much to to be a developer if i had i mean i'm only 25 so i could totally start learning to code right this now. this is your totally opportunity should. do it yeah right yeah. and do the contract work and yeah learn how to code baby yeah developers are a hot commodity right now there's a huge shortage if you know how to code you can make a bunch of money in crypto yeah yeah i could make a bunch of money period True. True. It's like no one's Spanish in Mexico, baby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just running around with our heads off. <laughs> yeah. uh, gosh, at New Alchemy, the the shortest supply of things that we have is developers. We have so many projects to work on and so many ideas to execute, and we just have a huge bottleneck with the developers that that they have. It's a it's a big problem. Yeah, I mean. Never enough developers, man. That's why they get paid so well. Exactly, exactly. Hopefully, 
the fact that they're getting paid because I mean they were getting paid well to begin with, but now cryptocurrency is around and what's the market cap today? Uh, $260 billion just got created in like the last year. There's a little bit more money to pay people to develop inside of crypto because that's going to be the thing that really drives adoption is how many developers there are. That's also why I think this bear market is going to end a little bit sooner than the last bear market we had from um, like uh, 2013 to 2015. It's because now there's like a thousand times more developers building potentially useful things in the space. And so because uh, development is happening happening at a much, much higher rate, uh, we can get um, user-friendly experiences and you know ease of use uh, to just be here a little bit sooner. Yeah, I mean, the bigger the price spike, the bigger the attention, the more the brain drain commences. So, yeah. I don't know. The, lots of developers have turned their heads. Lots of schools have started programs. Lots of independent developer schools have started. Lots of tutorials have been made. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's it's the very exciting effects, baby. to see. It's awesome. Yeah. It's very exciting to see a bunch of uh, big-name schools uh, open up blockchain um, education classes and programs and everything. If, if you guys, if anyone listening is just getting into crypto, the UC Berkeley um, has an awesome YouTube channel that will take you from zero to 100 in the crypto education space very, very fast. Um, so that's a good resource to use, and I still use it to this day. Um, it's fu it's funny that you brought up blockchain at Berkeley because I was gonna say um, the one school I interacted with with BTC Media is the blockchain at Berkeley club, um, so those guys are definitely ahead of their time. They've already pumped out <laughs> a couple of VCs and stuff, so and people that are like making waves in the space. So um, they're they're doing cool things for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, the the universities and colleges that. Um, bring blockchain classes, uh, quality blockchain classes to their campuses the soonest or just going to have a huge edge. Yeah, um, totally agree. So, uh, what, like, how about, like, talking about ne network effects, what has, like, been the most amazing network effect for you to, like, kind of see in these past, what well, it's been, like, almost 12 months for you? Well, I can definitely say that. I'm pretty sure everyone has heard of either cryptocurrency or blockchain um, or Bitcoin, excuse me. Um, when I tell people that I work in the cryptocurrency world, if they don't know what I mean right off the bat there, I ask them, well, do you know Bitcoin? And they go, oh, yeah, Bitcoin. And then they ask me what I do. And then I tell them, if you really want to know, it's going to take like 10 to 15 minutes to explain it because you're going to have more questions than the answers I give you. Um, and that just becomes more and more and true. The older conversation the over. Is. Yeah, basically, basically that. <laughs> I just, I just say it's not a five minute conversation. I just, I just work inside in the field. No, <laughs> I don't work for Bitcoin. No one, no one. <laughs> Bitcoin doesn't pay me. <laughs> but, the, uh, the overlords of Bitcoin <laughs> yeah. are my rulers. The, the Bitcoin hive mind. Yeah, I wish. It's kind of how it is, though. Yeah, in a sense. It's just this cult. Even those even those brave multi-coiners like yourself can't resist. Can't resist what? The pull of Bitcoin. Well, yeah, it started it, started it all. 
if I believe in the fact that Bitcoin can't go to zero. No, it, and if Bitcoin goes to zero, then like we are all going down with it. We are very, very intimately tied to Bitcoin. Um, I just had I was of the opinion that other coins were a better financial investment f- simply for the fact that they will gain adoption sooner and quicker um, simply due to the power of smart contracts and dApps and basically all the cool things that Ethereum can do. Potentially, unfortunately, not here today yet. Are you feeling optimistic about sharding in the next two years? Um, I'm <laughs> sharding sounds like it's the most complicated thing to do. Uh, I also don't think that I'm also not an a a expert in this field, so I don't know anything. But I I don't think that sharding that a a version of sharding that provides super high scale on day one will be a thing Uh, so basically if you don't know sharding is where you take different domains of ethereum and put them on and only allocate them to certain nodes Um, so you instead of being restricted to every single node uh, processing every single transaction you have like 10% 10% of the nodes processing 10% of the transactions. And so therefore you can get a 10 times higher throughput because you've just dispersed the computational capacity. Well, the issue with that is, is you, if you have, if every single uh, Ethereum address um, starts with either A through Z or one through, um, or zero through nine, well, if you shard it and say like every address that starts with a zero goes on this shard, every address that starts with a one goes on this shard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you have to have inter-shard communication every time an address with zero sends or receives ether from an address of one. And if you have to go to uh, within shards um, or or outside of shards, you go from shard A to shard B, that slows it down a little bit. Um, and so you don't actually get this super high uh, throughput that you intended to. It's still way better than where it started with, but it's not it's not like a billion transactions a second. However... Uh, Ethereum researchers know way more than I do, and I'm sure if some of them were listening to this, they would have their head in their their hand in their head, their head in their hands. Um, I am way more bullish on Plasma though, which is an off. It's like basically Ethereum's Lightning Network, um, which can do some pretty cool stuff. So as far as Ethereum scaling, I believe in it. Um, I think it's going to come in a different shape than we than we are predicting today. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very informative for me. Um, I, I know you've been talking about Plasma for a while, so you've definitely see the pros of, uh, like, Layer 2 and that kind of stuff, just with kind of a different vision um, than me, but we're kind of on the same path where um, there's only so much that the base layer can do. Yes, and it would be weird if it could do a lot because then, then there's why, why can your base layer do so much if it can do so much? Well, the first reason is that it's probably centralized, and the second reason is probably broken. Yeah, I'm, I would tend to agree. Do you feel like you would have said this three months ago? Uh, well, I didn't know how to explain charting three months ago. Uh, um, about, about base layers. <laughs> oh, about base layers? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. This crypto time is so fucking crazy. Like, I can't remember who the hell I was three months ago. Um, I do believe in that the scalability trilemma is solvable, as Vitalik has said. Um, and I think I've kind of started with that opinion is that, you know, we see if you go to coin market cap and you go down the list, you see like some coins don't have a scalability problem, but they do have a centralization problem. And some coins don't have or a usage um, problem. It, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Bitcoin Cash. Um, but uh, I think that when you build a blockchain, you automatically get two of the three uh, scalability issues. Um, or excuse me, two of the three just blockchain uh, issues, scalability, decentralization, and security. Um, and then with a little bit of work, you can get the, the third that you didn't start with. Um, I've always kind of believed that with some clever innovation that you can get the third um, Whichever one you didn't start with, you can get it in the end. Gotcha. Um, okay. I mean, I definitely, whether it's via, you know, inter interoperability, which I, I honestly think could be a thing. Like, I don't know. Like, ultimately, no one really knows anything in this space. Like, this is, like literally evolving in front of our eyes i definitely have my own mental model but you know i've definitely seen you be very open-minded and i know you've definitely opened up to bitcoin um you've mm -hmm. definitely opened uh, my mind up to um different ways to look at um you know other projects and other attempts um of like you know making these blockchain based tokens and economies and stuff like that um do you kind of like what 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 do you think is like you know we're just starting um you know this next quarter right of the year um what do you think is like kind of like the most important thing here you know kind of like finishing up q quarter three and going into finishing up the year strong in a good q4 for like the space in general like what needs to happen you think to kind of reverse this this bearish trend right now um, so I actually don't really think anything cool is going to happen development wise. I think the current state of, uh, cryptocurrency, uh, is kind of where it's going to be. Um, for example, like EOS launched this quarter, which is supposed to be monumental and huge and awesome. And so far nothing's happened with that. Um, Augur has launched and it splashed a little bit, but not too big. So like some developmental things are happening, but the price is not being reflected in that, um, which I kind of just think that shows like how Im imaginative and emotional this market is, or at least the price is. So I think what we can really be optimistic for for the rest of 2018 is just mainly going to be um, regulatory issues and also institutional interest. Uh, I think that's going to be the big news of the rest of 2018. Institutions are going to decide whether they want to um, even touch this space or not. And then also we can hopefully by the end of 2018, we will have uh, clarity as to what tokens actually are from a legal standpoint. And, you know, developers can stop sweating about going to jail, hopefully. And I think... If those two things happen, we can start 2019 uh, with a fresh new page, and hopefully we'll just have gone sideways until then.
Personally, I wouldn't be mad about a little bit of sideways. Yeah, sideways would be an improvement. Sideways, I mean, I wouldn't even be too mad about a little bit of down. Oh, why? So you can buy more? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that is true. That is true. That's what's so nice is like when I'm walking around at work and it's a another like negative 10% day as it's been for the past, you know, six months, you know, the few of us at work who are into crypto, they're like, oh, dude, the markets, it's just so shitty. And I go, I just have the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's fucking great. I get to buy more. And like no one agrees with me somehow, but I don't, I don't know why. Um, that's, that's just what happens when you feel secure in your investments. Yeah, I think part of it, and also I, I, I think, you know, this is investment advice right here. Also, I think not overextending yourself, it helps you do that too. Nothing worse yeah. than putting, you know, next month's rent on Bitcoin and it decides to go down uh, 15% for 25 days, right? That's mm-hmm. the worst. But, yeah. you know, hey, putting, you know, three years from now, you know, spending money on Bitcoin that usually exposes you to a lot higher time frame and a lot more up. Um, which is generally a better decision. But that's the rest of my investment advice there. I think your investment advice is to tell people to have common sense. I think if people are going all in on crypto with money that they don't have or can't afford, and then they get wrecked, they just needed to learn that lesson the hard way, I guess, because common sense didn't save them, unfortunately. Uh, You know, it's only gonna happen once, I, I hope. Um, if you get if you get wrecked and you have to sell at a loss to pay rent, um, but that is also a side effect of uh, attracting a bunch of millennials into crypto who haven't really been taught financial advice from their school or parents. Um, I think that's just what happens when you allow anyone to become an investor rather than um, you know an accredited investor. I think I think that's just kind of actually a, a neat. An unfortunate but neat side effect of what cryptocurrency has to offer is it enables uh, investing to a wider population of people. I think it's a great thing, especially for not. That's why it's going to be huge outside of the U.S. I think for us, like I have, I can just pull up my Robinhood and invest in highly speculative assets anytime I want. I invested yeah. in Cron, which is a marijuana ETF, and it has gone down a lot. It, it fluctuates. <laughs> By an upwards of 5% every single day. So I can do that legally without cryptocurrency at all. But if you're in Africa, you don't have that. You don't have an American bank yeah. account. You know, yeah. you can't get um, um, know your customer via, you know, your driver's license. So, like, this enables them to put their money somewhere, you know? Like, if you're mm-hmm. in a country that you can't buy land with a title that's, that is, like, respectable like and you're making money like what are you gonna buy a cow like like if you have a cell phone a smartphone you can buy crypto like it could potentially appreciate so um i think that's uh pretty cool like it brings liquidity to the like edges or the fringes um which i think is uh people don't under aren't do not fully understand the magnitude of that and what it's going to do well said very well said the, I think, uh, especially when people are complaining or criticizing cryptocurrency for being super rational, and you know, eight eight hundred billion dollars—that's ridiculous. 
Well, the price movement, that was ridiculous, but $800 billion, that's not so crazy because that's basically like the size of Facebook as a whole. That's just one company on, on the stock market. And people forget, forget that cryptocurrency is a worldwide market. It's accessible to anyone with an internet connection. So when you have the worldwide population looking at cryptocurrency prices, that's what makes me so secure in like people when they ask me like, what if cryptocurrency, what if, what if Bitcoin goes to zero? Well, when the whole world is looking at the prices and they see Bitcoin going for $100, what are they going to do? They're going to buy all of it. You know, the, the, the weak hands will get shaken out, but everyone else who, who can look at, look at the ecosystem objectively knows that $100 for a Bitcoin would be a steal of a price, which is why it'll never get there because people will buy it before it gets that low. So that's one of the many reasons why I feel very secure in investing in cryptocurrency. I actually think it's one of the safer investments out there over the long term. Yeah, uh, I think it's called the Lindy effect. The longer that it's around, the more people expect it to stay around. So how long has the mm. internet actually been around? Let's think about it, right? Didn't really actually go fully mainstream, really, until the iPhone, which was in 2008. Like, the internet went mainstream in 2008 to 2010, kinda. It, it depends you, on how you define mainstream, but yeah, sure. it, it, as soon as, yeah, you're right, as soon as it was on cell phone, on mobile, yeah, it, the internet blew up as a thing. Right. Can you imagine the internet being gone? No, I cannot. I mean, Bitcoin's almost that been around that long. That's a good fucking point. Oh, that's a good fucking point. I haven't thought about that. Yeah, that's the Lindy effect. Huh. Huh. Interesting. And, and then on top of that, the hash rate is comparable to some countries. Like top 50. Yeah. So, yeah. it's real. It's real, baby. Yeah. God, I was ta- we were talking in Crypt Chat earlier today. Uh, Peter Schiff, who's a big gold maximalist, thinks that Bitcoin's one of the many reasons that Bitcoin is going to fail is because it's taking too much power, and anything that takes that much power is not sustainable. It's, it's ass-, ass backwards, dude. Like, if somebody presented you with a Bitcoin code before it got launched, and then you presented that crit- criticism, that might be a valid criticism where you would say like, oh, if this actually turns out to be valuable, people are gonna spend all of their electricity trying to mine Bitcoins. And if that hadn't happened yet, then that might be an interesting point. But you can't say that you know the Bitcoin's going to fail because it takes too much power because it's already happening and it's doing just fine. Like it's a, Bitcoin's a small country in terms of electricity consumption. Clearly the world is fine with fueling the Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah, one of my favorite analysts, um, this guy named Ansel Lindner, he says that all it is is reallocation of resources. Um, clearly people in a lot of places think that it is a better use of their energy to get ASICs, get a facility, and plug the ASICs in. They think that is a good way to use all of their energy, and they're rewarded with Bitcoins that they sell and have a living on. So um, it's giving them that ability, and they are making that free choice to do that, and they are freely allocating those resources. And they have currently allocated um, like more than many countries worth of resources to Bitcoin. Which is pretty incredible. And it seems like it's going to continue. Yeah, because 
like people are gonna do the things that they're paid money to do. So good luck stopping that. I don't know. I think we should just end on that, man. Yeah, I'm ready to wrap this up. We're at 48 minutes. That's a pretty good episode. Cool, uh, David. How can people kind of follow you? See what you're about. See what you're thinking. Uh, I have a Twitter account that you can come follow. Uh, it's pretty underpopulated, so I could use <laughs> use some followers. Uh, my tr- Twitter account is uh, Trustless State. Trustless State. There's three S's in the middle there. Um, and then also I have a Medium account, which is a little bit more active, and I have a lot more followers on, also called the Trustless State, but there's an underscore between Trustless and State. Um so you can come read my articles, maybe get some insights, agree with me, yell at me, disagree with me, love me, do it all. Um, Christian, what about you? How can people find you? Yeah, so uh, David, we can put the, all that information plus uh, your Cosmos article in the show notes. Uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter. I'm just there shit posting all day, retweeting bullish things about Bitcoin, which is pretty much everything. Um, and I am at the real life CK. So at, sorry, at the real life underscore CK at the real life underscore CK. You guys can tell that this is our like third time doing this. So cut us some slack here, but, um, excited to have you listening to the POV podcast, the point of view podcast. It's supposed to be provocative. We'll catch you later. All right. See you guys next time. All right. I'm going to cut it. That was great, dude. Tell me what do you see? Baby, what do you see? Will you deceive?